there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Or if you please, 28. Oh yeah. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be reading from verse 19. Read two verses, verse 19 and verse 20. Right? Are you there? Now this is what the Bible says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say disciples. Uh, let's continue verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, we just want to bless you. We want to thank you. Thank you, O God, even for another privilege you've given unto us to sit around your table and to break the bread of life. I pray, O God, that you may be able to speak to us. You may be able to feed us. Let the spirit of knowledge, insight, revelation, O God, permeate this room today. And I pray that let our hearts be open. Let our minds be enlightened, O God, to grasp every word that will proceed out of your mouth. I pray that you give me eloquence clarity. Give me the diction and the language to be able to express your truth so that people may be able to understand what you want to say to them today. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, I just want to kick off a series that I'm going to be doing uh, the whole month of January. I'm going to do a series entitled Growing Deeper. Uh, because I feel that we need to start developing roots as believers and as Christians so that we may not be tossed by every wind of doctrine. We may not be derailed from the faith because our roots are so deep in the word of God. So look at your neighbor and tell them, I am ready to go deeper. And my subject, of course, is the call to discipleship. Please be seated. Becoming a Christian is just the beginning of your faith adventure. When you say, Jesus, come into my life, save me, cleanse me, purify me, forgive me of my sins, I want you to know that that is just the beginning of a very exciting journey with God. Many people, after they get saved, never realize that they have just embarked on a journey to discipleship. Because when you say yes to the Lord, you begin a walk with the Lord. When you say yes to God, you begin a walk with God. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is simply someone who pledges to be a learner. He is someone who decides that he's going to believe in and follow the teachings 
of his master. A disciple is a student. He's a protege. He's an apprentice. He's being taught. He's being led. He's being instructed by his master on how to live or how to carry himself around. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Uh, I believe that this was a call to the disciples to study his life and to adhere to his teachings. He was not saying, follow somebody else. He was saying, follow me. I want you to be my disciples. I want you to be my students. I want you to learn from me. And so he was challenging uh, the disciples to make sure that they focus their attention on following his life as their leader. So a disciple is simply, or a disciple of Jesus Christ is simply a student who has decided to study his life and to adhere to his teachings. He or she believes in Christ's doctrine. He or she imbibes his spirit. He or she imitates his example. So you believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You imbibe his spirit and you imitate his example. There is a man by the name Bonhoeffer who say this and I quote, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. It remains an abstract idea, a myth which has a place for the father fatherhood of God but omits Christ as the living God. There is trust in God, but no following of Christ. End of quote. In other words, you need to come to a place where you never omit discipleship from Christianity. Because when you do so, then it becomes heresy. An authentic Christian, a genuine Christian, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is a student of Jesus Christ. He is an ardent follower and one who learns from Jesus Christ. Do I have disciples in this house? You see, all of us, we came into this world as ignorant as most animals. When we came into this world, we knew nothing. Everything that you know how to do today, at some point, you had to be taught. You had to be taught how to eat. You had to be taught how to dress. You were taught how to behave. You were taught how to speak. Baba. 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 Mama. You had to be taught. And when you are able to get a good teacher, let me tell you, you will learn a lot from that teacher. 
We were taught to do so many things in life because we came into this world as ignorant as most animals are. So therefore, in order to make disciples, we must have students. Students who are willing to be taught. Somebody shout, I'm willing to be taught. Yeah, students who are willing to learn. Somebody shout, I'm willing to learn. And students who are willing to obey. Somebody say, I'm willing to obey. So when you get saved, equally when you get saved, you are ignorant. You are ignorant of so many spiritual things. You are ignorant as far as prayer is concerned. You are ignorant as far as worship is concerned. You are ignorant as far as holiness is concerned. When you get saved, you are a child. You are a spiritual babe. And that's why sometimes I don't get mad when I look at some people. When it is time for worship, they can't even clap their hands. They are ignorant. They can't even raise their hands. They are ignorant. But they should not stay there. They should desire to learn so that they understand when you're worshiping God, you need to clap your hands. You need to raise your hands. You need to move a little bit. You need to dance for God. Somebody shout, I'm willing to learn. Yeah, so you are ignorant of so many, many spiritual things, but you have to become a good student a good student of the word of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, so that you can learn spiritual matters and become knowledgeable as far as God's expectations for your life are concerned. So learning goes much further than being present. It is more than just listening. Those who are listening must be converted to what is being taught. So it's not just enough for you to attend church. It's not just enough for you to attend a prayer meeting. It is not just enough for you to be present. For pastor to say you are there. You need to hear the word. And allow the word to bring changes in your life. You need to digest the word. Assimilate the word. Until the word begins to flow in your spiritual bloodstream and begins to take out ignorance. Until that word begins to work in your life and bring you know, the necessary changes that God requires in your life. So that you don't just come to fill the pew, to sit on the seat and just say, I was present. You have to be converted. You have to be changed. You have to be transformed. Can somebody shout amen? Jesus told the disciples, I don't just want you to follow me. Follow me so that I may make you fishers of men. Follow me so that I may change you. Follow me so that I may transform you. Follow me so that I may refine you. Follow me so that I may remove every trace of ignorance so that you may fulfill your purpose here on earth. Somebody shout, I am willing to learn. I am willing to obey. I am willing to be taught. So these students must learn, they must follow, and they must practice what is being taught to become true disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Even as I share this, my prayer is that by the end of this series, you will not just be a member of House of Grace and Bakasi, but you will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You will be a man, you will be a woman that adheres to the teachings of Jesus Christ. You will obey what Jesus stands for. You will love what Jesus loves. You will hate what Jesus hates. You will obey the instructions that Jesus has given unto you. Can I get an amen in this house? So let me give you some several, several principles that will help you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 that you need to go out there and make disciples. And I believe this series is to prepare you to become a disciple, an ardent follower of Jesus Christ. Are you ready, somebody? The first thing that is very, very key and is very, very important and is very, very, very important uh, is you must experience salvation. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the very first thing that you need to experience is salvation. Because salvation is the very first step towards discipleship. Salvation is not just going to church. Salvation is not paying your tithes and your offerings at the end of the year. Salvation is not just wearing a white robe when you're coming to church. Salvation is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, even salvation is not having a new name from Vatican. Salvation is not being baptized and you're given a new name. Mercy Petronila. <laughs> Salvation is having a thriving, solid, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is, it is possible to attend church, but you're not saved. In fact, there are people who have attended church for years and think I think they have even become churchy, but they are not saved. You cannot be a, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ if you have not experienced salvation. You must confess your sins. You must forsake your old ways. And you must pledge commitment to the values and ideals of Jesus Christ. You are not just supposed to be religious. You know when to sit and you know when to stand. We know You know which hymn to be sung. And you know the first prayer and the middle prayer and the last prayer. No, no, no. Salvation is having a thriving, solid personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, there are people, when you talk to them about salvation, they tell you, ah, pastor, me, I'm good. I don't smoke. I don't kill. I don't steal. I don't feel jealous. Pastor, me, I'm good. I give my offerings. If I see the poor, I feel so sad. And I give them something. Pastor, I am very good. You see, we are not sinners because of what we do. We are sinners because of who we are. We have been born in the nature of sin. No wonder the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned. All have sinned. Let me tell you, even if your father is a bishop and your mother is a pope, you are a sinner by nature. Even if you are delivered on the pulpit, you are a sinner 
by nature. Am, am, am I speaking in this house? Do, do you give me liberty to preach today? Because I'm looking for disciples. Let me tell you, even if you started going to church before you were born, your mother used to sing in the, in the choir when, when she was pregnant. You started going to church. You were born. Let me tell you, you have the nature of sin in you. So you are not a sinner because of what you are doing. You are a sinner because of who you are. And that's why you have to be born again. You have to be regenerated. You have to experience salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So that means for you to experience salvation, you must be born of the spirit. Because if you are not born again, your spirit is dead. You cannot communicate with God. You cannot worship God effectively. You are in a different wavelength in the spirit. You have to be born again. Tell your neighbor, we have to be born again. <laughs> or maybe you should ask them, are you born again? Let them not answer you. Let's continue. John chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you're asking me, Pastor, what do I do for me to get saved? Number one, for me to be born again, for you to be born again, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. Did you hear what I said? Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. The church is not the Savior. The pastor is not the savior. The bishop is not the savior. Politicians can never save you. Religious gurus can never save you. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Buddha cannot save you. Muhammad cannot save you. The only savior of the world is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who died for you. He is the only one who shed his blood for you. He is the only one that went on the cross half naked for you. Jesus is the only savior of the world. Not even Messiah Ondeto. Not even Ambilikile Mwasapile. Not the Loliondo Herb. Jesus Christ is the only savior of the world. Oh, somebody need to shout a big amen. He is the only savior. And so you need to believe. John chapter 14 verse 6, the Bible says, No one gets to the Father except by me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Nobody should lie to you. Jesus is the only savior. I say Jesus is the only savior. I say Jesus is the only savior. For you to be born again, you have to believe that. Number two, you have to accept Jesus Christ into your life. You have to believe, then you have to accept him. Because some people believe he's the savior, but they have not accepted him. That's why when you preach to them, they will tell you, I know I need to get saved, but not today. Past, I believe in what you're saying, but I need more time. Because I know if I get saved, there are things I will not do. 
And I want to keep on doing them. You have to accept him into your life. Hey, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door. I am knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. Oh, so Jesus is at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He wants to come in. You have, you have to open the door for him to come in. I want you to know that Jesus is a gentleman. He will not force himself. The only thing he will do is to convict you. He will be speaking to you. He will be knocking at the door of your heart, telling you today is the day. You need to get saved. You need to accept me. You need to get born again. He's knocking at your door. Even some of you as I'm preaching right now, Jesus is knocking at your door. He's knocking at your door. And so the only thing that you can do is to accept him into your life. Number three, ask God to forgive your sins. You need to open your mouth and ask God to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because after you're filled with godly sorrow, you have to confess. First John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I tell somebody in this house that our God is faithful? When you come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, he is faithful. I need you to know that regardless of what you have done, when you come to God, his grace is more powerful than your mess. His grace is stronger than your mistakes. His grace is potent, more potent than your blunders. When you come to God, I want you to know that the blood of Jesus has the power to forgive sin regardless of what you have done you know there are people when they have done some things they say i don't think god can forgive me i don't think god can accept me i don't think the blood of jesus can wash this sin but i want you to know the devil is a liar that is the devil speaking to you the god that i serve there is no sin he cannot forgive ah uh, yeah, yeah yeah in fact let me tell you if that person who is seated next to you was to testify to you to tell you what they used to do and now they're in church praising God you will realize you're a saint God forgive them and if God forgive them God can forgive you I say God can forgive you I say God can forgive you he is faithful and just to forgive you and even to cleanse you from all unrighteousness that means you'll be standing before God and when God looks at you, he doesn't see any taint of sin. He sees his blood over you. He sees his grace over your life. He sees his forgiveness over your life. And that's why when the devil wants to con co condemn you, the spirit of God will remind you that you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. Romans chapter 8, the Bible says there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the devil to condemn you. You have been forgiven. Can I tell somebody here who knelt down and say, God, forgive me of this sin. I came to reassure you that as soon as you knelt down, as soon as you opened your mouth, God forgave you that very moment. So stop walking guilty. You have been forgiven. Hmm. Jesus. Number four. Finally, 
Confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. After you believe, after you accept, after you confess your sins, you confess the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. This confession is a pledge to yield your life to Jesus Christ. It's a pledge of allegiance to the lordship and rulership of Jesus Christ over your life. I remember those days we used to test and say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. My name is so and so. And I have received Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. You remember those testimonies? And since I got saved, I have never seen anything that will make me to go back. Jesus is my Lord. So when you confess, you're confessing the Lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. In other words, he becomes Lord. Now when he becomes Lord, that means you are now submitted to him. You have submitted your life. You have submitted your values. You have submitted your preferences to God or to Jesus Christ. So you will not do what you want. You do what God wants you to do. Your will has to be aligned to the will of God. Because you have pledged allegiance to the lordship and rulership of Jesus Christ over your life. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you born again? Because if you're not born again, you're not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two, a disciple of Jesus Christ must be water baptized. Jesus commanded that those who become his disciples are to be baptized. The word baptism comes from the Greek. Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse, to submerge, or to overwhelm. Therefore, in the biblical sense, to baptize a person in water literally means to put that person wholly under the water. He is saturated with the water. He goes deep inside the water. We don't sprinkle water on your forehead. We don't make you jump some flag and make some uh, enchantments. We don't make you jump some fire and put something uh, on your waist. No, 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 no. We baptize you. We take you to the water. Mark chapter 1 verse 9 to 12, Jesus himself was baptized by immersion. He went where John was baptizing on River Jordan and he was baptized by immersion. And so if Jesus was fully baptized and we are his disciples, then we have to be baptized. Baptism simply appropriates our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. We identify with Christ's mission here on earth. We identify with his death. We identify with his burial. And finally, we identify with his resurrection. In other words, when you're being baptized, you are saying outwardly that I agree with the death of Jesus Christ. I agree with the burial of Jesus Christ. And I agree with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he died, 
he died with me. When he was buried, he was buried with me. When he resurrected, he didn't leave me in the grave. He resurrected together with me. And that's why salvation gives you newness of life. Are you hearing me, somebody? Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk a newness of life. So when you are being baptized, you are saying, I am dying to the lusts and the selfish enticements of this world. I am burying the old nature of sin and I resurrect with new life. It is a public sign. You are telling everybody that from today, I am a new creation. From today, I am a new creature. From today, I have drawn a line of demarcation. I'm not going back to the world. I'm not going back to serving the devil. I belong to Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? But your neighbor asked them, have you been baptized? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've not been baptized, please let us know. Uh, let us know who will baptize you. Last year we did uh, baptism, but I am ready to do it again. Because I want you to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout a better amen. Number three, a disciple of Jesus Christ must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not wind. The Holy Spirit is not fire. The Holy Spirit is not uh, a dove. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God revealing himself as the Holy Spirit. He seeks to guide us. He seeks to speak to us. He wants to direct us because he is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of counsel. He is the spirit of wisdom and might. I remember when I was growing up as a Christian, I never truly understand, understood rather the third person of the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit, because we know who God is. We know he is our Father. We understand Jesus Christ because we know he came to die for us. But the Holy Spirit... Many people don't really understand who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, and and uh, I remember uh, getting a book written by Benny Hinn uh, entitled Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I started reading that book. Let me tell you, that book changed my life. That book transformed my life. In fact, I want to challenge you to get that book and read it. How Benny Hinn communes with the Spirit of God. How Benihin is in step with the Spirit of God. How Benihin wakes up in the morning and because he has a tight relationship with the Holy Spirit, he tells the Holy Spirit, good morning, Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, his room is filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to spend time with the Holy Spirit. By the time he's through spending time with the Holy Spirit, an hour has gone. And it sounded like five minutes. So the Holy Spirit, many of us don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. But Jesus said, as I go, another one will come. This is the time, this is the season, this is the dispensation of the Spirit of God. This is the moment you and I, we are supposed to know who the Spirit of God is. We are supposed to walk with the Spirit of God. We are supposed to be guided by the Spirit of God. We are supposed to be so tight with 
the Spirit of God. And it begins with you being baptized by the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 to 6, Jesus commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem. He told them to wait for the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were assembled on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in the upper room. They had spent time praying. They had spent time preparing their hearts. They had spent time, you know, in fasting and just seeking the face of God. And the Bible says they were all in one accord, in one place. And there was wind, a mighty rushing wind. In fact, the Bible says like a mighty rushing wind because the writer could not capture what was happening in that room. And the Spirit of God came into that room. And the Bible says all the disciples were filled with the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was reading this, I said, maybe one day God, you should just visit us on a Sunday morning. When, you're, we, are, when we are just worshiping, let that, that, let that breath from heaven come into this church. And let everybody that came for the service that morning be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I desire the Spirit of God. I desire the infilling of the Spirit of God. Because you don't just get filled once. You can get filled again and again and again and again. Because when you read the book of Acts, every time these guys were coming to pray, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Please desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, two things will happen. Number one, you will speak with new tongues. Hey, powerful. Tell your neighbor, this is very powerful teaching. You will be filled with the Holy... With, 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 you will begin to speak with new tongues. In verse 4, the Bible says, when they were filled, they spoke with new tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance when they were filled they didn't just stay there and look flabbergasted when they were filled they didn't look confused the bible says that they began to speak with new tongues as the spirit gave them utterance oh may you be filled with the spirit of god until you begin to speak with new tongues because I've realized the church these days, we don't speak with new tongues. Believers are on the shallow end. But allow me this morning to push you to the deep end. Where you will be filled with the spirit of God. And you'll begin to bubble in the spirit. Uh, I know for some of you, uh, you get shocked when you stand next to somebody who begins to speak in tongues. But the Bible says you need to desire. Oh, tell your neighbor, you need to desire. In fact, let me tell you, I've been in church for some time and some people even copy tongues. A story is told of another child, uh, uh, a child of a pastor. And um, so this child, you know, started to ask the pastor a question. He said, Pastor, how comes that these believers, when they pray, they reach a certain level and they begin to pray for Shambaya Babakuria? Thank <laughs> you.
So the child was asked, what is wrong with this shamba ya papa kuria? Who is this kuria? What is wrong with this shamba? It is because in that church, everybody was speaking the same. And they were copying each other. So I stand next to you when I hear shamba, shamba, shamba. I also start shamba, 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 shamba. Kanta bila keria. Kanta bila keria. Kanta bila keria. Kanta bila keria. Chapati mabati Mount Elgon. Chapati mabati Mount Elgon. <laughs> but my Bible tells me that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. That means it's not from your mind. It is not from your neighbor. But it is from the Spirit of God. Oh, I wish I got a better amen. We need to come to a place where the Spirit of God fills us. And we are able to babble as the Spirit of God gives us what? utterance. In fact, when I, was, when I was just doing this study, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do a series on the Holy Spirit and pray for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because I want you to begin speaking in tongues. Because when you speak in tongues, let me tell you, you are speaking a heavenly language. You enter into another dimension in prayer where the Spirit of God begins to speak or to pray through you. Because the Bible says sometimes we don't even know how to pray. But the Spirit of God helps us in our infirmities so that we begin to pray according to the will of God. Oh, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is a level you reach in prayer where you can't even pray in English. You can't even pray in Kikuyu. You can't even pray in Luo or Luya. But you begin to pray in the language of the Spirit. You begin to babble in the language of the Spirit. And the devil gets confused because he doesn't understand what you're talking about. But let me tell you, you are connected with God and you are praying according to the will of the Father. New tongues. New tongues. I believe in a church that speaks with new tongues. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I believe the church of Jesus Christ, true disciples of Jesus Christ, are supposed to speak with new tongues. Mm -hmm. Number two, you will be empowered. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will be empowered for service. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you. You want to be effective in serving God? You have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You want the anointing to increase upon your life? You have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You want to become effective as far as serving God is concerned? You must be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you know there are many churches, the Spirit of God has been kicked out of the church because it is organized religion. But in this church, we are inviting the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit comes and he messes the service, that is fine with me. If the Spirit of God comes and people begin to babble in the Spirit, we cannot preach, we cannot sing, that is fine with me. Because as people are babbling in the Spirit, healing will be taking place. Deliverance will be taking place. Yokes will be destroyed. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is liberty. Somebody shout, I desire. 
to be filled with the Spirit of God. Number four, a true disciple must practice Christianity. A true disciple of Jesus Christ must practice Christianity. Muslims practice their religion. They have pillars in their religion which they ardently follow. One of them is prayer. Another one is fasting. And another one is giving to the poor. And they are committed to that. Muslims practice Islam. When they go to the mosque, they know very well, you have to leave your shoes outside. You will never find one who goes in and says, ah, I had forgotten. Reverse. Then they remove. And then they go in. It can never happen. Because they practice Islam to the latter. When they go to the toilet, pass. Let's continue. Moving on swiftly. They practice their religion to the latter. And as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to practice Christianity. Can I get an amen in this house? In Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the Bible says, And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That name did not come from God. Christianity, that name did not come from the Holy Spirit. It came from unbelievers. They looked at these disciples of Jesus Christ. They saw the way the disciples were behaving. They saw the way the disciples were praying. They saw the way the disciples were teaching God's word. They saw the way the disciples were carrying themselves around. And they said, these people, they are Christ-like. So let us call them Christians. Because they were behaving like who? Like Christ. They were practicing Christianity. You can never be a true disciple of Jesus Christ if you don't practice Christianity. How do you practice Christianity? For example, I'm just going to give you a few. Number one, you need to walk in love. John chapter 8 and verse 31 to 35. You have to walk in love. The Bible says that if you do this, then you will be my disciples. Jesus was speaking. Say, if you walk in love, then you will be my, somebody shout my, my disciples. So you have to walk in love. As a true Christian, you should not harbor feelings of bitterness, unforgiveness, anger towards people, revenge, malice. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must practice love. And the love we are talking about here is agape love, unconditional love, where even you need even to bless your enemies. That is Christianity. We are not called to revenge. We are not called to fight back. But we are called to love. To love our enemies. To love our friends. Oh, no one anything except what? Love. That's what the Bible says. So love people. Love your in-laws. Love your mother-in-law. And I say it again. 
You know, some in-laws are really difficult. Love your mother-in-law. Love your mother-in-law. Point number one. Point number two. Love your mother-in-law. Point number three. Love your mother-in-law. Walk in, in love. In church, walk in love. Whatever you are in that office, walk in love. Even if people are trying to bring you down, just love them. Love them. Love everybody. When God called me into the ministry, this is one lesson he taught me. To love people. I love people. Hallelujah. That's what some of you, I tell you, I love you. But you become shy because you are not used. So to prevent you from stumbling, I say, I love you with the love of Christ. But I love people because love in its true identity, it is holy. It is pure. Because the Bible says God is what? God is love. You cannot separate God and love. God is love and love is God. So just love people. By the way, when you love people, your life will be very okay. Because you don't have time to feel bad, to frown, to lose your appetite, to feel angry. You, you, you've just ordered lunch you want to eat and then so and so passes by. I feel like I've just lost my appetite. Who is losing? It is you. I wish I was there. I will tell you I will take it from here. <laughs> mm, look at your neighbor. Tell them I love you. Hey, don't go beyond that. You brothers. Can I have your number? Uh, <laughs> number two. You must read your Bible. Practice Christianity. Read your Bible. You're a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Read your Bible. I am so amazed that people call themselves Christians and they don't even have a Bible. They don't even have a... They come to church without a Bible. And you call yourself a Christian? Jesus. God, have mercy. Hi. Look at your neighbor if they have a Bible and help me preach to them. Give you one minute. Just preach to them. Tell them, man, you, 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 you need to sort yourself out. You need... Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, this is a powerful service today. Hmm? This is a powerful service. Because we are talking about a disciple of who? Of Jesus Christ. You have to practice what? Christianity. So that means when you come to church, you must make sure that you carry a Bible. When you go to the office, carry your Bible with you. When you're in your car, carry your Bible with you. Because you're doing what? You're practicing Christianity. So that when you have some few minutes, you can open the Bible and read it. And hear what God is saying as far as your life is concerned. Because the Bible contains the word of God and contains the will of God for your life. Many people ask, what is the will of God for my life? What does God want me to do? Simple. Read your Bible. Because God's will for your life is in black and white. Is in the Bible. And sometimes you just read the Bible even if you don't understand. Just read it. Just read it. The Bible says in Revelation, blessed is he that readeth. So just by reading, you are blessed. Hmm. 
Just by opening it and say, in the beginning was the word. And the word was, blessings begin to come your way. You are just blessed by reading God's word. So get the Bible and read it. And let me tell you, let me challenge you. Get a nice Bible. Some of you, your Bibles don't even have shape. They look like the map of Africa. Question mark, why me? Get a nice Bible. It has a cover. It has the table of contents. Can I go a little bit deeper? It has introduction. It has even the last page. And the cover. Get a nice Bible. And buy. If you can spend 3000 buying lunch for yourself, you can spend 2500 to buy a nice Bible. Because you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, tell your neighbor, we are growing deeper. We are growing deeper. We are growing deeper. So that when you come to church, you are not coming to church as a, a tourist. You are not coming to church to borrow your neighbor's Bible. You are not coming to church because they screen the scriptures there. You know you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it is important for you to have your own Bible so that you can be able to study your Bible. When I was preparing this, I felt I need to ask you to lift up your Bible. Uh, but for the sake of security, I will pass that. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, to strengthen that scripture, the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Another thing that you must practice as a Christian, I'm still on point four, uh, you must pray. Tell your neighbor, you must pray. You see, prayer is simply communication with God. And you have to set aside time, even if it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, to pray. I am so amazed at how committed and devoted Muslims are. So amazed. When it is time for prayer, my goodness, they will close the shop. How many have gone to Isilib? Please don't lift up your hand. I'm trying to protect you. <laughs> Some people look at you and say, you go also there. <laughs> but when you go to that place and it's time to go to the mosque, they will close their shops. Even if you're bringing a million. Even if you're bringing thousands of shillings, they will tell you, it is time for me to go out to pray. Let's meet afterward, after prayer. If they are not next to a mosque, they will remove their mkeka, put it in a corner somewhere, kneel down and do what? And pray. But Christians can go for months without even praying. Christians can go for months even without praying for food. Food, food. Just telling God, God, thank you for providing. They can't. They always remember after they are finished. My goodness, I didn't pray again. A true disciple must pray. When you wake up in the morning, pray. Commit the day to God. Ask God to guide you. Ask God to direct you. Pray for your children. Pray for your husband. Ladies, pray for your husband. I'm telling you, the world is bad. 
I heard a sister say, Pastor, I don't know what I'll do. Because all the good men are married. So we are praying that something may happen. You know what they mean, eh? Huh? My wife is really hard on that. Jesus. Pray. Pray for that man. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for your job. It is not as secured as you think. You need to pray. There are people who are not sleeping at night because they want your position. You have to pray. There are people who are even offering sacrifices to get what you have. They go to a witch doctor. The witch doctor says, uh, I wanted to ask you for a chicken, but it will not work. Bring me somebody's finger. <laughs> that is a serious sacrifice. Because blood has been shed. And you as a Christian, you are just there. You are not praying. You are not seeking God. Let me tell you, you will be hit in between your eyes. And you will not even know what has hit you. It is time for true disciples of Jesus Christ to wake up and start practicing Christianity. If Jesus prayed, who are you? If the Son of God, anointed by God, sinless, prayed, who are you not to pray? How much more are you supposed to pray? Because when you look at the life of Jesus, I'm going to show you. In Luke chapter 3 verse 21, he prayed. When he was being baptized, he prayed. In Luke chapter 6 verse 12, he prayed the whole night before disciples. He even prayed to choose Judas. I'm telling you the truth because he knew Judas is very instrumental to his mission. He prayed before announcing his death and resurrection in Luke chapter 9. He prayed at his transfiguration in Luke chapter 9 verse 28 to 29. He prayed before teaching his disciples to pray. He didn't just teach them how to pray and he's not praying. In fact, they saw him praying and they say, Master, teach us how to pray. Because when Jesus started praying, you could enjoy the prayer. The way he's talking to his father. He's like, just the father is there. Father, I know you always hear me. But because of these who are here, some of them don't even believe me. Let me just pray to you. But I'm giving thanks because I know Lazarus is already resurrected. Then they look at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, the way you pray, it's like God is just here with you. Teach us how to pray. You know, there are people when they pray, you stop praying. You start agreeing with them. Have you ever been in that situation? I remember there's another pastor who took us for prayer. Like a small room. And so, we started praying. Initially, he was quiet. So, as we were praying, we were struggling. We were still coming up in prayer. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Hey. Then he started praying. My goodness. Just the introduction to prayer. Before he even started, we kept quiet. We went, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Yes, amen. Glory. 
because the man could pray. This was the case here. Jesus prayed until the disciples told him, Master, teach us how to pray. As a disciple, you learn to pray by praying. Did you hear what I say? As a disciple of Jesus, you learn to pray by doing what? By praying. Mm. On the cross, he prayed. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32, he even prayed for Peter. And this is what he told Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In the spirit, he could see Satan is saying, Lord, please give, just give me an opportunity. I need to teach Peter a lesson. And some of you are here and you think the devil is asleep. The devil is not asleep. He is before God. He said, God, this lady, just give me one minute with her. You will see. She will somersault. Because the devil is always in the presence of God accusing you. And looking for an opportunity to hit you. And sometimes God will give him the opportunity. Like with Job, God said, do whatever you want to do, but don't touch his life. I am wondering when the Satan comes and is given an opportunity to come and buffet you, if you will survive. If you are not a prayerful person, things will not be easy for you. Hey, his teaching is powerful. I can see it on your face. You are scared. And that's why you must be a man and a woman of prayer. When things were tough for Jesus, what did he do? Complain? Cry? Whine? And say, I'm tired. I don't want these things. In fact, I'm giving up. No. He knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, it is too much. But not my will. Let your will be done. There's a day he prayed until sweat came out of his, uh, uh, his, his forehead like blood. That is not a joke. That is serious prayer. My vision is the prayer meeting will be even attend, more attended than the Sunday service. People coming here to pray and to seek the face of God. Because a praying church is a powerful church. Oh, tell your neighbor from today, I'll start praying. <laughs> Luke chapter 22 verse 40, Jesus said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. When you don't pray, you will be tempted. And you will yield to temptation. Pastor, the devil made me do it. No, you are not praying. Because when you pray, God will strengthen you to overcome temptation. I'm preaching very powerfully today. When you pray, God will give you wisdom. God will open your eyes to see a way of escape out of that temptation. But if you don't pray, you are so dull that even when the Spirit of God is warning you, telling you there is danger, that is danger. Don't call that person. It is dangerous. Don't even go to their house. It is dangerous. Don't connect yourself to this person. It is dangerous. You can't hear because you are dull in the Spirit. You are dull. You are insensitive. But when you pray, before you pick up the phone, the Spirit will tell you, thou shall not. And you say, I will not call. When you pray, you will want to make that move and the Spirit of God tells you don't. And you delay a bit and you hear the bus you're supposed to take crashed and everybody died because you are sensitive to the Spirit of God. It is time for us to pray. For you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to make sure that you are found in the place of prayer. 
Somebody shout again, I will start praying. Shout again, I'll start praying. Is this good? Are you growing deeper? Number five, you must attend church fellowship faithfully if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Attend church fellowship faithfully. Your attendance should not be erratic. Your attendance should not be inconsistent. One week you're seen, three months you've disappeared. Nobody even knows where you are. Oh, brother, where did you go? I've just been around. We are together in the spirit. You cannot be together in the spirit if I'm praying and you're sleeping. We can never be together in the spirit. If I'm fasting and you're eating, which spirit is that? We can never be together in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I'm in church and you are at home sleeping and then you say, you know, we are just together. We can never. That is a different spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? We are here for a night vigil, praying. You, you are under your duvet. You are seeing visions of rapture, bursting in your sight. And you wake up in the morning and say, brothers, we were together in the spirit. No, we were not together in the spirit. You must attend if you are going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Your attendance must be consistent and systematic unless otherwise. I know that some people are committed elsewhere, but some of us, we need to just go to another level as far as our commitment is concerned because we don't have an excuse of, meeting, of missing fellowship. Amen? Where are you on Tuesday? At home. Where are you on Friday? At home. Where are you on Sunday? I came, but I came late. But at least I came. You have to be serious. Look at your neighbor. Tell them you have to be serious. You have to be committed. A true disciple of Jesus Christ must attend fellowship faithfully. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. The Bible says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. When we gather together, there is an unusual dimension of power, grace, and anointing that we experience, which is unavailable when you're alone. When we meet together to pray, there is a different feel about it. When we meet together to worship, there is a different feel about it. You see, you can pray alone, which is powerful, which is fine. But also when you come and we pray together, there is a corporate anointing. Ah! Somebody feeling me here. There is a corporate anointing that we feel that is unavailable when you worship alone or when you pray alone. That's why sometimes you can come to a prayer meeting, for example, on Tuesday that day, you just dragged your body and then you came. You're so tired, you've been stressed in the office and then people begin to pray and all of a sudden, something hits you. All of a sudden, somebody who was tired, they begin to pray. Because they are noticing everybody else is praying. Oh, that brother is praying. And they are enjoying what they are doing. That sister is praying. And she is enjoying what, is, what she is doing. And all of a sudden, something comes upon you. God renews your strength. Power comes upon you. And you find yourself praying. By the time you leave the service, you have been renewed. You are so strong. 
You are so encouraged. Sometimes you can even feel like giving up on life. And you just come to church on Sunday. And the pastor releases a word. And you say, I am so glad I went to church that Sunday. But some people, they, did it, they, they, they do it the opposite way. When they are discouraged, they go home. Now, when you are discouraged or depressed and you go and lock yourself in the room, this is what happens. Because you are under the anointing of discouragement. The devil comes after you've closed the door and he sits on you. After he sits on you, he will start telling you things. You need to die. You are not even beautiful. No wonder he left you. You will not even get a job. You. Of all the people. I mean, we've seen brighter people than you. Who do you think you are? You, you are finished. You are dead. In fact, even God has forgotten you. You see, you are alone here. I'm with you. I'm even the one comforting you. Where is your God? A am I saying the truth here? And you feel so bad. You don't even want to pray. You can't even pray. But when you come to church, there will be a word that will lift you. Oh, may somebody get a word this morning. Oh, may the word of God lift you. May you make it in the name of Jesus. Can I release a word at this moment? If you're sick, may you be healed in the name of Jesus. If you're jobless, may a door open for you this week in the name of Jesus. If you're discouraged, may encouragement be released upon your life. Somebody shout a big amen. You must attend fellowship. And I want to challenge you for the year 2012. Let us attend the prayer meetings. Let us attend the miracle service. Come and be in the presence of the Lord. I want you to know that the person who attends fellowship will grow faster than the person who doesn't attend fellowship. You can't be at the same level. Like on Friday, we had a blast here. Oh, it was powerful. I was preaching on the subject, whatever went wrong, God can make it right. Now, if you are not there, you can't understand. But in summary, it was powerful. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you attend fellowship, God builds you from one level to another. One stage to another. Faith, from one level of faith to another. From one level of glory to another. And you become a very, very strong Christian. Let me continue. Number six. A true disciple of Jesus Christ must participate in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is also known as Holy Communion which we have been trying to do every month, beginning of every month, we come together on Tuesdays to break bread and to drink the blood of Jesus. The emblems of the Lord's table are served as bread and juice. Bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And the juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for the remission of our sins. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we need to do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. This is one of the ordinances that Jesus left us to be able to practice as Christians. We have to break bread together. We have to drink of the cup together. Because as we do this, we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember the work on the cross. 
We remember he became poor so that we may be rich. We remember that he took away our curses, our sins, and nailed them on the cross. We remember that he became the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. And the more we remember, the more we pledge allegiance unto the Lord. First, first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 to 28 also shows us how we need to partake of the Lord's table. Uh, that we need to examine ourselves, prepare our hearts, ask God to forgive of every sin, and we qualify to partake of the Lord's table. This coming Sunday, we are going to be partaking the Lord's table. And I want to encourage you to come with an open heart to receive from the Lord because there are benefits. When you read that uh, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about strength, talks about health, and he talks about long life. When you partake of the Lord's table, even healing will take place in your body. Come on, somebody. Your body will be healed. Your life will be preserved. You'll enjoy long life. I believe you want to live for long. You want to see your great, 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 grandchildren. Hallelujah. Some of us, we want to see vision 2030. Are you here, somebody? Yeah, I want to be here for long. I want to be here for so long. That God will say, now it is enough. Please come. I miss you. Alright? So when we partake of the Lord's table, there is health, there is strength for your body, and also there is long life. I'm left with two. Mirage quickly. Uh, seven. A disciple of Jesus Christ must witness to others. You become a disciple of Jesus by recruiting others as well to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Share good news with others. Evangelize your world. Wherever you are, evangelize your world. In that office, evangelize. Amen. In your neighborhood, evangelize. When you go for chamas, ladies, are you here? Chamas, praise the Lord. If the chair lady is here, praise the Lord. <laughs> evangelize. Share the good news with the ladies. Uh, you gentlemen, when you're going for those investment clubs, meetings, evangelize and share with others the good news. Uh, the Bible says, go to the world. Go ye into the world. Go ye. As you go as a teacher, evangelize. As you go as a businessman, evangelize. As you go as a banker, evangelize. As you go as a lawyer, evangelize. Let your world know Jesus Christ. Let your circle know Jesus Christ. Let your family members know Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The last one that I want to give unto you, if you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you must practice Fasting. Church is quiet. I thought I'll get an amen. You must practice fasting. You see, fasting or regular fasting should be part and parcel of every true disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when he goes, his disciples will fast. So every believer should understand that fasting is not optional. Fasting is mandatory. 
It is not optional for you to fast. It is not a good suggestion in the word of God. It is mandatory. You have to develop regular fasting. So biblical fasting means doing without food or water for a specified length of time. And we have different types of fasting. We have absolute fast. This, this one is tough. Nothing enters your mouth at all. No water, no food. But this one should be done for a very short time unless God has spoken unto you to do it more than three or four or five or seven days. Very few people did an, uh, an absolute fast. Exodus chapter 34 verse 28. We see Moses doing 40 nights. 40 nights and 40 days without food, without bread, without water. Now that one takes God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So don't just wake up and say, I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to drink. Brother, you might die. God has to really speak to you. Because when you look at this scripture, Moses was communing with God during all those days. Because by the time he was coming back from the mountain, his face was shining and he had the Ten Commandments. So make sure that if you're going to do an absolute fast, God has clearly, somebody shout clearly. Shout again clearly. Clearly spoken to you. Otherwise, it is not advisable. I will not advise you to go more than three, more than four days to go without food and to go without water because you will damage your body. And when you damage your body, uh, some of the damages are irreversible. You cannot reverse them. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Please don't perish. Look at your neighbor. Tell them don't perish. So that is absolute fast. Two, we have normal fast. You can choose to deny yourself food, but drink water. Most people do a normal fast because when you drink water, your, soul, your, your cells, your body cells are hydrated. And so it takes you longer. You can even fast for 10 days. You can fast for 20 days. As long as you're drinking water, then you're fine and you're good. All right? So you can do a normal fast where you don't eat food, but you drink a lot, a lot of water or fluids. And then we have a partial fasting, which we are going to be doing this week. Hallelujah. Mm, there is hope. Tell your neighbor there is hope, Bana. This fasting, there is hope. Yeah, partial, there is hope. There at partial, there is hope. Partial fasting, you omit certain foods for a while. Certain foods for a while while eating others. Uh, a good example is in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. The Bible says that Daniel ate only vegetables and he drank water. For how many days? For 10 days. For 10 days, he was just eating vegetables and he was just drinking water. Eating vegetables, drinking water, and praying. Eating vegetables, drinking water, and pray. It is also a fast. And this is the fast that we are going to be engaged in the whole of this week, beginning tomorrow. We are going to be eating vegetables, and we are going to be drinking water for seven days. And I want you to know that your life is going to be enriched. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? Your life will totally be changed. We have given you a handout to help you to understand how you're going to be fasting. Uh, let me just go through it quickly uh, as I summarize my sermon today. Are you getting blessed? So we are going to be beginning tomorrow, Monday 9th, uh, to Friday, 
meeting at 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. That is every evening from Monday to Friday. And on Saturday on 15th, we shall meet from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. for worship, meditation, and even prayer. So Monday to Friday, 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. You eat vegetables, drink water, and then we come in the evening for worship, for meditation, and even for prayer. Then Saturday, we meet from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then on Sunday, of course, we will come here uh, in the morning, have our service as usual, and then we are going to break the fast by having Holy Communion. Is that a good deal? That's a good deal. So I want you to read all that we have given unto you, foods to include in your diet during the Daniel fast. We have fruits. Uh, you can do apples, you can do bananas, you can do blackberries, blueberries, cherries, figs, grapefruit, grapes, guava, melon, lemons, limes, mangoes, oranges, papayas, peaches, pears, pineapples, plums, raisins, raspberries, and, all, and what have you. Then vegetables, you can do all those that are there. Eggplant, garlic, corn, cabbages, kumawiki, root, kale, leeks, lettuce, mushrooms, mustard greens, all that. Anything that is called a vegetable, you are allowed to be able to do it. And drink clean water. Don't just drink any water. Drink clean um, water. Foods to avoid. <laughs> uh, of course, you knew I'll start with meat. Meat, animal products like milk, cheese, lamb, pork, poultry, fish. Run away from those things. If you see them, take off in Jesus' name like Joseph. Even if it means leaving your phone behind. Uh, sweeteners, avoid them like sugar, raw sugar, honey, syrups, molasses, cane juice, because they will excite the enzymes. Uh, in your belly and start giving you problems. This is the time for you to pacify your body. Tell your neighbor it is time to pacify the body. Yeah, so don't don't excite the body because if you excite your body, you prepare it for a meal, you will be in problems. Um, uh, potato chips, French fries, corn chips, the whole week. Somebody say no chipo the whole week. Oh yeah. All solid fats, margarine, avoid those things. Because fasting also is discipline. Somebody says discipline. Yeah, because you will be around all these things, but put a knife on your throat. Alright? During fasting, even the things you don't like will be very sweet. Hmm? You will be coming through this road here, and you see some roasted maize and you say, Lord, deliver me from this temptation. You will come, come, come. You reach here. Some muturas uh, are being roasted here. Please make another prayer. Say, Lord, I'm just about to reach church. Deliver me. And you will make it in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I will make it. In Jesus. Avoid things like coffee, tea, herbal teas, carbonated beverages, energy drinks, alcohol. Because I know some people love alcohol. I'm not assuming. And you will be safe. Amen. And I'm praying that if you take alcohol after this fast, you will not have a desire for it. In Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. And then the program is like this. Just turn the other page. Um, on Monday, somebody say Monday, because we shall be here from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, I want you to meditate on Hebrews chapter 13 the whole day. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. We're going to be praying for the body of Christ in Kenya to be united. The bishop and the pastors of House of Grace Ministries, churches of uh, ch our churches, uh, churches of House of Grace. Uh, Tuesday, First Timothy 2, 1 to 3. We're going to pray for our leaders, president, prime minister, vice president, elections. This is the year of elections. We want to pray for peace, godly leadership. Wednesday, 3rd John, chapter 1, verse 2. Families, marriages to stay together, the youth, children, job opportunities. Thursday, of course, the scriptures are there. Uh, Thursday, we're going to wage war against evil forces of the enemy. We're going to bind the works of Satan against families, against the church, dismantle satanic oppression in people's lives. Uh, Friday, we're going to pray for... Uh, ourselves, we're going to pray for our pastors, families, members, increase of the church in number, laborers for the work, establishing of the church, members to prosper, all the church workers. Saturday, which uh, we're going to meet at 4 to 5, uh, pray, we're going to pray for the hurting in the hospital, the needy, uh, orphans, widows, widowers, single parents. Uh, we pray for their physical and emotional healing. And then on Sunday, when you wake up in the morning before you come to the church, I want to challenge you to pray for the services. Kneel down beside your bed and pray. Pray for the services. Pray for the church worker service, uh, which will begin from 9. This Sunday we are beginning the church workers. Uh, this coming Sunday we are beginning the church workers from 9 a.m. to 9.45. And then the main service at 10 a.m. to 12.30. Pray for fresh anointing upon the worship team as they lead. Uh, pray for salvation and healing for the sick. And then we will come here and uh, conclude the prayer and fasting, the Daniel fast with Holy Communion. Can somebody say Amen? So I want you to understand that there are benefits to fasting. Let me give you the benefits real quick and then I will be out of your way. Number one, the bands of wickedness and yokes will be broken according to Isaiah chapter 58. I want you to spend time to read Isaiah chapter 58. Bands of wickedness and yokes will be broken. That means if you're struggling with issues as you participate in this fasting, those bands will be broken. Those yokes will be broken. In fact, I declare that by the time Friday comes, you will be free. Oh, I say you will be free. Oh, I say you will be free. The yokes that pull you behind will be broken. The shackles on your feet will be destroyed. Everything that impedes your speed, God is going to just break it off your life and you're going to experience freedom in the name of Jesus. If you're struggling with things like smoking, like drugs, you're struggling with lying, you're struggling with unfaithfulness, let me tell you, I recommend fasting because when you fast, the bands will be broken. When you fast, the yokes will be broken. The yokes will be shattered and you'll become a free believer in the name of Jesus. Number two, heavy burdens will be lifted. If you're carrying burdens, burdens, 
burdens burdens you are stressed you're, 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 you feel like you're, you're, you're bogged down you feel like you're way you're weighed down by issues let me tell you through fasting God is just going to offload all those burdens in the name of Jesus some of us we have burdens because of our families we have burdens because of our friends we have burdens because of issues in our lives I recommend fasting because God is going to undo the heavy heavy burdens can somebody shout amen uh three when you fast according to isaiah chapter 58 you will let the oppressed go free that means people who are oppressed people who are under addiction because we are going also to pray for souls we are going to see sinners coming to the lord we are going to see people born again. For those you work with who are not born again. For your family members, your parents who are not born again. We are going to bring them before God the whole week. And I guarantee you, salvation will visit their home. Salvation will visit their lives. I wish I got a better amen. Number four, the Bible says your health shall spring forth speedily. Let me tell you, something will happen to your skin. Something will happen to your face. I am praying that you will look you will look you will you will look younger. I really had to bring it out. You will look younger. Oh, pimples will go. Oh, glory to Jesus. This week you are not going to use clear tone. This week you are not going to use lady gay. Please don't judge me because I'm old school. That's all I know. I remember clear tone. I remember Vaseline. I remember satin sheen. That's what I remember. Uh, I don't know if new ones have come. Fair and lovely. I don't know. But let me tell you this week as you fast, there will be something. God will smear your face with supernatural oil. Your health will spring forth speedily. I am believing God for healing for your physical body. Every sickness in your body has to be healed. Oh, I wish I got some faith-filled people in this house. As you fast, may that diabetes be healed. As you fast, may that high blood pressure disappear. In the name of Jesus. As you fast, may that chronic disease that has been in your body for years. As you fast, may God take it away. Somebody shout healing. Shout again healing. Your health shall spring forth speedily. Number five. When you fast, God's glory will cover your life. In other words, the presence of God will be with you. Everywhere you go, the presence of God will be with you. How does it feel when you know that God is with you? You feel protected. You feel covered. You're not afraid of anything. When you go to sleep, you're not afraid. Ah, come on, somebody. I know there are people here when they sleep, the light has to be on. Because they are so scared of darkness. Even when a cockroach is just trying to get some meal for that day, they wake up panicking. They think somebody's in the house. I recommend fasting because the glory of God will be around you. And if God is on your side, who can be against you? I came to tell you that this week, everything that the devil has planned against your life, as you fast, it will not happen. As you fast, it will not prosper. Every weapon that he has formed against your life, as you fast, we want to Cutter every weapon in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout amen. 
Number six, as I finish, can I preach like I feel it for a few minutes? As you fast, I want you to know that the Lord will guide you. The Lord will order your steps because your ears will be open to his voice. The Lord will tell you where to go. The Lord will tell you who to hook up with. The Lord will write ideas in your mind and in your heart how to take your business to the next level. Can I push it a little bit further? As you fast and you're believing God for a husband, may it be clear in your mind in the name of Jesus. As you fast and you're looking for a wife, may she be clear in your mind in the name of Jesus. I wish I got a better amen. Oh, if you don't know what you need to do, where you need to go, which career you need to take, I pray that as you fast, may God make it so clear in your mind. May God make it so clear in your heart. May God order your steps. May God help you to evade danger. May God help you not to make mistakes and to make blunders. May God shield you from shame. May God shield you from danger. May God shield you from the enemies that are seeking to destroy you. May he guide your steps. May he show you where to step. May he show you where to sit. May he show you the friends that you need to hook up with. May God reveal to you who is for you and who is against you. I came to tell you as you fast, God will guide you. God will guide your family. God will guide your marriage. God will guide your home. God will guide everything about you this week. I challenge you to join the army even as we begin to fast. Because through fasting, you become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Church, I challenge you to join this army. Ladies and gentlemen, I induct you into discipleship. I induct you into being a disciple of Jesus Christ who will follow Jesus ardently, who will be in love with Jesus, who will be committed to Jesus, who will practice Christianity, and in so doing, when people look at you, they will say you are a Christian indeed. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.